Indeed, Lord God, how great is your name. We exalt your name tonight. We thank you, Lord God, for being such a good God, such a loving Father. We embrace your love tonight. We thank you for your grace, which you've freely given unto us. Thank you for a time of refreshing in your presence. Thank you for our time together in your word this evening. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. We thank you that you break open the seals of your word and teach us, guide us, lead us into life everlasting. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John chapter 16. Um, I, I just want to quickly go over some of the high points from Sunday's message, speaking on the Holy Spirit being the administrator of grace or the dispenser of grace. And by that I mean that everything that God has given us, everything that he has done for us, we only receive, we only see the manifestation to the degree that you and I have a communion and relationship with the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 16, I'm going to read from verse 12. John 16 verse 12. This was Jesus before he uh, went to the cross. He said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So obviously Jesus did not cross every T, neither did he dot every I while he was here. Because he just made it clear. He said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. In other words, those disciples did not have the capacity nor the bandwidth to either receive or understand the things that he will be saying. So rather than just speak, and he knew they could not understand it, he withdrew it. Until such a time that their capacity to receive would expand and increase, and they can talk to them more. Amen? So we see clearly that they have many more things to say, but they could not bear it. So now, verse 13, he says, however, so he just didn't leave them hanging. He said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So it's very, very obvious that Jesus has designated the Holy Spirit as the person who will administer his inheritance. You know, when uh, in the natural, when people are dying, we have a will and we have an executor and we have somebody who executes our intention, our desire after we are gone. So in this case, Jesus is telling us the Holy Spirit will be doing that on his behalf. Amen? And so that's why it's very important for you and I to understand the role, the place of the Holy Spirit and become very familiar with him because as we've just read in John 16, 13, he will guide us into all truth. Do you need truth? Do you need things to get clearer? Do you need uh, insight? Do you need direction? Do you need to have solutions? The Holy Spirit has it. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14 says, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
So the role and place of the Holy Spirit cannot be emphasized enough. Everything that we know, that we're studying, that we're teaching, that we, 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 we believe that Jesus has done can only and will only be administered or passed on to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me read one more scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This, uh, this is another passage. Uh, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, but as it is reading, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10 goes on to say, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So again, Jesus said in John chapter 16, now Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians and confirms the same thing Jesus said. And the amazing thing is, we now see this lived out in the life of Apostle Paul. You and I know Apostle Paul did not walk with Jesus in his earthly ministry. He was not with him for those three and a half years. But amazingly, he was the one that received the revelation of two thoughts of the entire New Testament. How did he get it? He didn't come by FedEx. He didn't get it by Google. So Jesus gave that all of that information to him by the Spirit. We read this in Ephesians chapter 3. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's start from, actually let's start from verse 1. Ephesians 3, 1. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So he, he identifies the revelation or the message that God gave him for us. And he calls it the grace of God. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Okay, Paul, so how did you get it? Which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit. So when we marvel at the revelation that Paul has, really, yeah, I can see us marveling, but you also should understand you have the same resource that Paul had, the Holy Spirit. And so if the Spirit of God can reveal that much information to one man in that time, just think, how much can he reveal to you and I now? Direction on where to go to school, who to marry, what jobs to get, what business to be engaged in, what investment to make. I mean, the, I'm talking about the opportunity is just unending. 
to the degree that you and I allow him in and allow him to be a partaker and a partner and a helper together with us, it makes all the difference. And I, I cannot say it enough. I mean, we can talk grace, grace, all we want. But if you don't know the Holy Spirit and don't commune with the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, all of the benefits that God has for us will be out there, but you will never be able to come to grapple with it. Amen? So now let me go to my famous diagram and then I'm going to give us highlights. Give me the priest first. <laughs> I really love this. I'm going to really develop this message much further because even today I was just thinking about this whole concept. Okay, so in Israel in the temple, the only lighting, the only light in the entire temple was its golden lampstand. If this light went out, they'd be in darkness. There was no other source of light anywhere else in the entire temple. Think about that. Now, God tells them in Exodus chapter 27. Let me go there. Don't leave the, leave the thing on. Let me read it for you. Exodus 27. Because some, some, sometimes we read these things and we really don't grasp the appreciation of it. Exodus 27, 20. Look at what it says. And that's what's on the, it's on the, on the, on the screen. And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. Verse 21. In the tabernacle of meeting, outside the veil, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it from evening until morning before the Lord, and it shall be a statute forever to their generations on behalf of the children of Israel. Now, let, let's, let's pause for a minute. You read that in July 2019, Lawrenceville, Georgia, United States, it means absolutely nothing to you. Because you are sitting in the room, flip the switch, lights come on. You live in the room, turn the switch on, lights go out, you don't think about it. For these guys, this was the only light. No other light. But not only that, from the instruction we just read, you must understand they did not have olive oil in the temple. The instruction was that children of Israel must go out, find olive trees, get the olives harvested, press the oil, let it drain sufficient enough to bring back to the temple and any priest can now use it to light the lamps. What I just described there sounds so simplistic you have no clue. Because the olive trees did not grow in the temple. Someone had to take a journey, go out into the bush, find the choice olives. Not just any, choice bring it back to some place and then press it manual. They didn't have automation. They didn't have mechanics. They didn't have uh, machines. Now, to give you an idea how laborious it was or how tedious it was, I checked it this evening. Just this past uh, Jewish Hanukkah, which Israel celebrates very, very religiously. The menorah in the temple that they use for their celebration 
eight days celebration. You know how long it took them to get the oil for the eight days celebration? Years. Now, I have to share that with you so you can understand how much work went into this. Now, this, this is not eight days. This is every day. Every single day they did this. Now, for an eight-day eight celebration that, they, that just happened in a Jewish Hanukkah, just eight days, it took them years to get the olives, to press the olives, to allow it to drain, so that they only extract, look at the Bible, pure, not, no sediments, no, pure olive oil. <laughs> and so now when you have that understanding, and you now come to this day, and wonder how involved this process was. How many people did it take in Israel to produce this? As we, as we will say in our time, how many mine hours? went into the production of this oil to have this oil available 24-7 and according to the scriptures, it was never to go out. Now, give me Zechariah chapter 4. Now you can appreciate because this is what Zechariah knew, what we just saw, the priest that we just saw was what Zechariah was familiar with. That was what he lived under. That was uh, what the law of Moses said. That was how they did it. So that was his understanding. So now in Zechariah chapter 4, let me, let me actually read the scripture. In Zechariah chapter 4, when the angel now showed him this picture you are looking at, Zechariah 4, 1, now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is waking out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? The angel was showing him this picture. What do you see? So I said, I'm looking. There's a lampstand. Okay, I recognize a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. Yes, I see that. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes of the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand of the bowl and the other on its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? Can you imagine that this prophet sees this picture and is asking, what does this mean? Now, you are not ready today and say, come on, you are a prophet, you should know. No, you shouldn't know. Because in his time, the, older, the, the earlier picture is what was taking place. The people went out, got olives, squeezed it, pressed it, drained it, brought it all. So this is totally foreign to him. So I said, no, I don't know what this is. Now, I'm emphasizing this because for many of us, when we hear about the gospel of grace, it is the same way we've been used to a particular system of living. You do to get. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. That's what we, are all, that's what we know. You go to college, if you don't pass, you fail. You go to work, if you don't perform, you're, you're fired. And all of those things are still true. You have to perform on your job. You have to do when it's good. That does not change. What we are talking about has to do with our relationship with God in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, your performance does not define you. But for Zechariah, this is strange. And for many of us as believers, because we've been used to the old way, 
I must fast 19 days a month. I must pray 19 hours a day. I must uh, do this. I must witness to 19 souls a day. We, we give ourselves so many uh, uh, benchmarks. Now, are those things wrong? No. Is it wrong to fast? No, it's not. Is it wrong to pray? No, it's not. Is it wrong to sow wind? No. But what I'm saying to you is, whether you do those things or don't do those things, it does not define who you are and it does not define how God relates to you. Zechariah and the Israelites been trying to build this temple for years and they had to back up because of opposition. So God showed him this. He said, Zechariah, you're going to start building again. But when you start building again, in fact, let's, let's just, let, let me just read, let me just read, um, let me read a little bit more. Let me go to, jump to verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. This is a connection. This is a connection. It's not going to be by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Your job, your career, your business, your relationships, it's not going to be by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Anything you are involved in as a believer, you must understand that anything you are involved in as a believer will not be done by might, not by power, but by his spirit. That's the message. Says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? We're going to address that later on. I can't, I can't get into that now. Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And it shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So we see the connection with the spirit of God in this picture. We see the connection with the word grace, grace in this picture. So God was saying to him, listen, for 16 years, you guys have not built. When you start, it will not be the way you used to do it. When you start building again, it will be totally by the automation of God's grace. God will produce the olive. He will pass the olive to the lampstand. God will keep the lights burning. It is going to totally be the automation of grace. There will be no human involvement in your victory. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Ah, it's too much. It's just too much. I can't wait to see Zechariah. I said, Zechariah, did you get the message? <laughs> so God is speaking to us that our victory is going to be not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord. The amazing thing, God said this years before Jesus came. Years before Jesus came. So we see that the, God's plan for us has not changed. He wanted to help them then, and he wants to help us now. It's up to you and I embracing him and totally, completely allow him to do what only him can do. That's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Bible encourages you and I to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not our might. So constantly you and I can partake of this grace automation by constantly reminding ourselves that we are spirit beings, we are loved by God, and at the same time beginning to speak to God by the power of his spirit. Thank Jesus, thank the spirit of God every day, every moment that you are able to do so to constantly just make sure that you, 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 you're refreshing yourself in the availability of the spirit. It's huge. Now, last Sunday and the Sunday before, I mentioned four things 
that we can observe from this, from the oil, from the oil itself. Number one, I said oil, there's just too much to this. It's going to take me weeks to finish this teaching. There's too much to it. Number one, notice, notice, Jesus said to us, we are the light of the world. So when you see that lampstand, you are looking at yourself. You're the light of the world. But if you look at the lampstand, you also see that the main shaft has the branches. There's a main shaft and then there are three on each side. He also said, you are the, uh, I'm divine, you are the branches. So you are seeing the whole picture. This is the union of the believer in Christ Jesus. And as long as he has light, you have light. As long as he is divine, you are part of the vine. It's an, it's an incredible thing. But not only that, this lamp, this light is in the temple. Who is the temple today? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says. We're the temple. So for the temple to function, the way God intends for it to function, that spirit must dwell in it. When the spirit checks out of it, it's no longer a, te- it's no longer a temple. It's a temple as long as the spirit of God is in it. So the issue is when the spirit of God is in us, there are several things that should happen. Number one, we should have lubrication. Oil. Oil gives lubrication. Anytime there's moving parts, if you have no oil, there's going to be friction. So immediately we see that having the oil of the Holy Spirit helps harmonious relationships. There's harmony in our relationships. We don't have strife, we don't have the irritation, we don't have all the, all, all the stuff that's happening in relationships. Now, it does not mean that we won't have issues. Issues will come, but because you have the awe of God in you, you'll be able to handle it. You, you, you won't break. The oil of the Holy Spirit will help you in those relationships. Whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's family, it doesn't matter what it is. The friction we have is always the absence of oil. Mm. The lower you are on oil, the more potential for friction in your relationships. Check it out. Every time you get angry, every time you said any ugly thing out of your mouth, every time you've reacted to your spouse, to your friend, to your co-worker in a way that's untoward, check it out. Check your oil level. The oil is low. <laughs> you have oil, you have grace. Amen? Secondly, secondly, we talk about how the oil through the lampstand gives illumination. Illumination. You have direction. Psalms 119, 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Illumination. But illumination has two parts. So you have direction, you also have insight. Insight meaning, whoa, there's a problem. There's, there's something that happens at work. I need, I need God, what's, what's your mind? How do I solve this thing? Insight. Psalms 119 was verse 130. The entrance of your word, it gives light. It gives light. You are trying to solve a problem for weeks. You are cracking your brain. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives you insight. Bang, the problem is solved. Over. Down. Go and ask Peter, I will tell you that. Fishing all night, catching nothing. Jesus shows up, launch into the other, throw your net on the other side. Really? Hey, Rabbi, where do you get the experience to fish? Just obey me. You find out. <laughs> you obey him. What happened? His nets caught so much fish, the Bible said the next were breaking. Unbelievable. Insight on your investments. Don't buy this stock, buy that one. 
It doesn't make any sense. Just follow me. You have money in your pocket. Why? Because the entrance of his word brings you understanding. Amen? So you have, you have lubrication, you have illumination. And then, of course, you have restoration. Restoration. The oil. Pouring oil on you just brings restoration. You are refreshed. You are refreshed. I mean, many of you here, you take a bath. Uh, especially ladies, you, you rub yourself down with oil. Why do you do that? Why? Why do you do that? <laughs> I, I, I want you, I want you to apply those nice uh, oil on your body. You feel good. You feel clean. You feel refreshed. You feel good. Amen. I, I don't have anybody. I don't have any witness here. <laughs> Praise God. But there is something about the oil properties that brings refreshment. That brings restoration. You feel clean. You feel refreshed. Yes. And then. Last, last Sunday, I talked about the fragrance of the oil itself. And I used the example of the difference between perfumes and colognes, or eau de toilette. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's, uh, I, I, was, I was going through the duty-free shop on my way back to the U.S., uh, oh, maybe sometime early in the year. Uh, I was flying through London Heathrow, and this guy, you know, they have all these guys there that's always trying to sell you something. You know, so I'm just, I'm trying to get to the gate. And the guy said, hey, yeah, let me, let me show you something. I said, what, what do you want to show me? Oh, I said, I have this uh, nice uh, oil here. I said, oh, what am I going to use oil for? It's, so, it's, so the bottom line was, he was trying to sell me this brand, this British uh, perfume for men called Penhaligon. He said they are the oldest English makers of fragrance. And he said, it's oil. now what got my attention was when he said it is oil-based. So when I said that, and I said, well, I'm so, oh, what's, what's that got to do with it? And then he took me through the lecture. I said, oh, my gosh, okay. <laughs> he, so, so anyway, so, uh, so now, coming back to the oil of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about how you and I, everywhere we go, should diffuse forth the fragrance of the knowledge of God. So when we are well oil, not only do we avoid friction, not only are we refreshed, not only do we have direction and insight, everywhere we go, we are diffusing forth the knowledge or the fragrance or the aroma of God. People around you will take note there is something about you that's different. You may not even know it. You may not even be cognizant of it. Just as when you use perfume or cologne, when you first carry it out, you smell it, but after a while, you know, you that is using it, don't even, you don't pay attention to it. You don't even smell it any longer. But you enter a room, they know you arrived because they can smell it. So what I'm saying to you is, you may not know there's anything special about you. You may not be uh, acutely aware of that as a person. But God is telling us, those looking at you, those interacting with you, those speaking with you, they are seeing something. They are seeing something. And so Paul says, please be aware of this and recognize that wherever you go, you are diffusing forth the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. When you go to work, how you talk to your employers, to your co-workers, to your friends, what you, how you interact all day long in the market, in marketplace. 
It's telling people something about the faith you say you have. We need to be aware of those things. Amen? There's a lot more, but I'm just going to stop there. Any comments or any questions? Yes. <laughs> Praise God. He's going to bring the mic. Yeah. Thanks, Chief. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, this topic or the subject is so exciting. Um, the analogy you gave concerning the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers to do oil in an engine is quite intriguing. And the more I meditate on it, <laughs> the more exciting I become. Because oil has other purposes beside lubrication, which is to remove friction, as you have explained, which reduces tear and wear. Huh. But one other thing it does is that it cools down the engine. Ah! Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and eventually, it removes corrosion, which oh, will destroy the engine. Oh, my God. I'm hearing, I'm hearing. <laughs> Man, okay, and cool is that the engine yes, removes corrosion? Yes, remove corrosion. And then it cleanses the engine. How does it do that? It removes the breeze that would have caused uh, friction and it passes it into the oil filter. Ah. That's why you have to change your oil filter. <laughs> <laughs> Man! Ooh, that's another level. Uh, yeah, so you, you can develop that to any level. I am going to develop it. <laughs> but then, why it becomes so interesting to me as I continue to meditate, each time it's coming to me, yeah. is that the newer engine oils, they have additives. And the additives help the performance of the engine. Ah, ah. And do you know, Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1, 5 to 7, uh -huh. there are seven additives there. He said, add to your faith. Ah. And faith is the base. Yes. You know, and how does it come? It comes through the Holy Spirit. Yes. Then he, he says, add virtue. Yes. Which is moral excellence. Uh-huh. He said, add to virtue knowledge. Yes. This is the knowledge that the Holy Spirit teaches, not head knowledge. Yes, 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 yes. And yes. if you go to number seven there, he said love. That love is agape love, which is God's love, which is sacrificial. So when we have add all these things, when anger comes, when jealousy comes, when hatred comes, it dissolves it God. and passes it away. My goodness. And so we can operate well and do great things. That Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm so full. Praise God. Thank you for that. Man, cleanses the engine, removes corrosion, takes it out and puts it in a filter. Wow. 
And then they added, man, you, you just don't know. You, you got me churning, man. I'm going to have to reverse my notes tonight when I get home. <laughs> that is powerful. Thank you for that sharing. Now, do you see what happens when believers come together? Because we all have a measure. And when you bring your measure and I bring my measure, do you see how much fuller we are? I mean, can you just see how much more we just received from that insight? <laughs> so now you know for sure what the Holy Ghost is capable of doing in you and through you. Man, the corrosion, I can just imagine that, the jealousy, the, the anger, the bitterness, those are all corrosions. That can corrode your system and, and, and cause it to just be uh, clouded and you can't move forward. And then the engine knocks, the engine of, of life. God, thank you very much. Praise God. <laughs> Anybody else before we go home? I want to rush out of here now because I need... Yes. It seems like we uh, somewhat become unaware. Yes. And for you to teach on it now, it yes. just really um, brings it back for us to really think on what the Holy Spirit is for us and Amen. to us. Amen. We're going to be on it for weeks. It's, it's so much. It's so much to it. So uh, d different aspects of it, definitely. So, but wow. I'd like to add to that because I was just thinking when you were going through the teaching of showing us what the uh, priests, how the high priest had to go in and so much work went into just getting the oil into the holies of holy. Yeah. And in here today, you know, God saw that and wanted to make it be more simplified for us. Yes. And the priests that came after the ones that worked in the temple a lot of them were stuck because they were like, what do I do now? I don't have anything to do. When you, sh when you go to Zechariah's 4 here, uh -huh. because we're so used to helping God or so used to saying we got to do things ourselves or we got to put it in our own effort and our own strength yeah. of doing things. Yeah. And then when it becomes so simplified, you, 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 and, th and that's what grace is showing us. Correct. And a lot of people still aren't grasping this thing about grace because it's too sweet, too good, too simple. Yeah. And it's telling us to turn away from our old ways and turn unto the ways of God. Yeah. And so you're just showing this through demonstrations, through the pictures and everything. But like um, uh, my sister said, it's so wonderful that you're speaking about the Holy Spirit because this is his dispensation. Yeah. And, you know, we all probably got baptized and maybe, you know, we need to get baptized over and over again sometimes. But the fact is, you don't hear enough teaching. And I believe it's the deception of the devil to keep us in limbo, not being as effective as we should be as Christians, because we don't realize who we are and who's in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just sitting here just reminiscing back over some of the things that I know for a fact that I heard the Holy Spirit speak. And I'm saying this to say that he's still speaking to us today. He still want to bring more revelation, knowledge, and understanding to us today. If we just acknowledge him in Amen. all our ways, you will begin to see marvelous and wonderful things happening in our lives 
and in the lives of those that God is sending us to minister to. Amen. In our families. Chief, you have something? Oh, okay. Now, just, just so we know, this picture was never carried out in Israel. We must understand that. So, no, it was never. God just showed a vision to Zechariah. But they never at any time stopped the process of manually, tediously producing oil. This process did not become real until after Jesus resurrected. You must understand that. But, and I don't want to get into the weeds, even though they were still doing what they did, you must understand that every victory and every battle that Israel fought, it was God fighting for them. That's very obvious when you read the scriptures and understand. So God just showed Zechariah this and say, listen, you're going to start building again. It's, it, and, and just understand that I am going to be the one working in you to get it done. That's the message. Yes. Absolutely. This is why I call it grace automation. This is where we are. That's not where they were. The earlier picture you saw with the priest was where they were. Even though God gave this revelation back in Zechariah, he was just showing him what will be. Amen? We are living this. That's why Zechariah did not understand it. What is this? What does it mean? Because he was living in a different era. This did not happen until the day of Pentecost. Now, did it mean that God did not help Israel? Yes, he helped them. How did they get out of Egypt? They didn't, they didn't fight the battle in Egypt to get out of, from Pharaoh's uh, oppression. God did it. How did, they, how did the Red Sea part? God did it. How did they win the battle of Jehoshaphat? God did it. So God was the one fighting all along. You know, so, yeah. But there's, there's a lot in that. Okay. Ms. Blondell, and then we go. Yeah. yeah. And that is that um, I'm hearing in my spirit, lean not to your own understanding. There you go. You know, the dispensation yes. of the Holy Spirit, and he yeah. tells us what to do. Correct. But we doubt, as Sister Sharon said. Yeah. We doubt because it seems too easy. Yes. It seems too easy. Amen. Praise God. All right, so let's just get ready to go. Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. We bless your name, Lord Jesus, for your... Uh, incredible insight. Thank you that you've expanded our uh, understanding through uh, the communion with you and with one another. We go home richer, more refreshed, and more equipped to face the world. Thank you, Father. We honor and we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. So, your offerings, the bucket is here. Want to be a blessing to God? Do so, and you are blessed for doing so in Jesus' name. Amen.